my wife and I and my boys have been coming here for, I don't know what, six months or so-ish. Um, and before that, we were, we were on staff at a church down in Santa Maria area. And so, but we live here in town, just down the street. And so our kids go to school right here. Um, and we came here for a talent show. And it was <laughs> in this room. It was, oh, it was horrible. Um, uh, but anyhow, that's another topic. I'll talk to you later about that. Uh, but anyhow, so hey, uh, Cody asked me to teach this morning, and I begin to think about what I'm going to talk about. And so usually what I do is I talk about things that I'm dealing with and going through in my own personal life. And so I begin to t- think about, what should I put together? And it's kind of funny. I begin to think about, let's talk about this and that and things I've been kind of dealing with. And if it's okay, if I can be kind of honest real quick, is that okay? Can I be kind of honest? So this morning we're going to be talking about 1 Timothy. If you have your Bibles, you can open up. Or it's also going to be up on the board up behind us. And so I finally found something that I'm going through that I can talk about, that I can actually harness this morning. Before I do, let me tell a really quick story. In high school, I went out my sophomore year for the football team. I went out for my freshman year, but I had to have an emergency surgery. I went out for my physical for my freshman year, and the doctor said, hey, you got to have this surgery. And so I missed my freshman year of playing high school football, and I was pretty bummed. And So I went up for my sophomore year, and my coach, the coach had sit, sat us down and said, hey, guys, I want to show you this film. And he showed us a film of Stanford University playing this big-time football game. It must have been a bowl game. And it was the last game of the season. It was the ending play, fourth quarter, fourth down. They were right on the goal line, and this was the last play of the game no matter what happened. And this depended on whether or not Stanford University won or lost the game. And the coach said, hey, guys, I want you to watch number 40 here. And he was the linebacker for Stanford. He was a defensive play. And the the quarterback from the other team came, and he snapped the ball. And number 40, and the coach had, like, four different views, a slow-mo, and it just was all set up perfectly. And this guy ran in. He he threw his arm and took this lineman who was twice his size and, and threw him across the just threw him out of the way. And I was like, wow, that was awesome. And he grabbed this other guy and just threw him to the ground. And he ran, just, just clobbered the quarterback. And the place just went crazy, and they won the game. I was like, that's awesome. He goes, this is your new coach. And we're like, wow, that's great. That's really cool. That's, this guy seems like he's pretty good. 
So football practice started, and everything I did was to impress this guy. I'd never played before, and so everything I learned was from what this guy had taught me and shown me. And so every time I, every time I ran, I ran as hard as I could, and he, I'd always watch out of the corner of my eye to see if he was watching me. You guys know how you do that? And I never thought that he was. And every time that I would run a play, I would hit people as hard as I could, and I would always look to see if he was noticing. I never really felt that he was. And it wasn't until like a month or so later when he sat us down at a lunch meeting, and he said, all right, guys, here's the starting lineup. He started going through them. And he said, offensive and defensive tackle. And he goes, and I was like, oh, that's not going to fly. And he said, Adam Rust. And I went, yeah. And I got that feeling that I call it, I call it an attaboy. You know, I got an attaboy from my coach. My wife doesn't like that term. I got an attaboy. It's just like, yes, yeah. Anyone ever had that feeling? And I was just like, yes, he saw. And I worked so hard, and he noticed. And it's funny because we find ourselves in the exact same spot in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 11. Let's read it real quick. But you, this is Paul talking to Timothy, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness fight the good fight of faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be the honor and the might forever. Amen. This is a letter, this is part of a letter that Paul wrote to his friend Timothy. And I could just imagine Timothy getting this letter. Now, who was Timothy? Timothy was a young guy. He was a, he was a pastor that Paul had, Paul had planted a church. And he had given Timothy the responsibility of this church. said, hey, lead this church. I'm going to take off and I'm going to go plant some more churches. Take care of this place. And Timothy was like, are you sure? Because you're way better than I am, Paul. And Paul said, I think you can do it. And so I would imagine that Timothy got this letter, this is the first letter he got from him, and he opened it up and he probably thought, this is what I would think, he probably thought Paul was going to say, hey, listen, Tim, you're kind of slipping here, buddy. You just need to step it up a little bit. You got to get a little bit better for me. But he opens it up and it says, Timothy, man of God, and he's probably going, Yes! Attaboy! Oh, yeah! First string. He noticed. I've been working so hard. You know what I mean? In fact, uh, Timothy's um, in a group of, pretty elite group of very few people in the Bible. In fact, he's the only one in the New Testament referred to as a man of God. Only one in the New Testament referred to as a man of God. 
Timothy, man of God, Paul calls him. And so as I was thinking and as I've been noticing in my life, no matter what goes on in my life, what I want to do and what I want to have is that one day when I see Jesus Christ, is that he's going to look at me and go, hey, Adam, good job, man. Nice. And I'm going to go, yes. And I'm going to turn around and go, and hope he doesn't see me and catch me. Go, yeah. It would be embarrassing. But that's what I want. And so I was looking at this going, man, I would love to be Timothy and, be, and have someone like Paul. Paul's a pretty legit guy. And I would love to have someone like Paul say, Adam, you're a godly guy. I would love to have that. And so I was looking through this thing and I was, I was going through here and I found four characteristic traits that Paul talks about when he's talking to Timothy in this letter that I think makes Timothy and qualifies Timothy as that godly person. I want to talk about four of them this morning, and I want to figure out a way to put those into my life. So there are four attitudes, maybe you could call them attitudes, maybe you could call them characteristics, maybe you can call them personality traits, I don't know. But there are four things that are talked about in this short passage we just read that he mentions, and I think they're very important. And the first is this, he says, right after he says, Man of God, he says the word flee. How many of you guys know that sometimes in life we need to flee from things? <laughs> I tend to know that I need to flee from things, but I usually flee from things about 15 to 20 minutes later than I should flee from them. Anyone, yeah, I mean, with me on that? After I'm already caught up in the bad thing that's happened, <laughs> like, I probably should have taken off about an hour ago. Shoot way too deep into this thing now. We need to flee from the things that we need to flee from. How many of you guys know that song? You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. I'm sure that Paul wasn't talking about gambling. Maybe he was, I don't know. But sometimes we got to know when to walk away and sometimes we need to know when we got to run. And a lot of times we think running or fleeing is sort of a weak thing. But I think there's times in our lives where Fleeing can be the most important thing that we can do. Passage that my dad used to read to me all the time and talk to me about. It's found in Genesis 39.7. It says, now Joseph, and probably a lot of you guys know this, Joseph was well built and handsome. Joseph probably looked a lot like me is what it's saying. After, after a while, his master's wife took notice of him and said, basically this is the story of my life here. Nasser's wife took notice of him and said, Joseph, come to bed with me. But Joseph refused and said, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in my house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house except for me. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And although she spoke to him day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be around her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and no one else was in the house. None of the servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He fled the scene. He knew when he had to run. And in my mind's eye, I do this thing where when I read something in the Bible, I kind of picture it. 
which can actually usually come out pretty twisted and wrong, <laughs> just because my mind's eye is pretty weird sometimes. But I could just see her grabbing this guy by the back of his collar and him doing that hole where you throw your shoulders back and your arms back and you let your sleeves come out inside out. You know what I'm talking about? And you just pew, bolt out down the door and you're out of there. I'm out of here. Sometimes you got to get out of there. My dad, when I was a kid, used to tell me, this will mean nothing to you. If you were in my youth, my youth ministry when I was a youth pastor, you would hate this phrase. Sarah, you probably know what I'm going to say. <laughs> my dad used to say, me, say to me, Adam, stay away from Schwazy's house. Doesn't mean a lot to you, but Schwazy was like the coolest kid in the neighborhood. And obviously, his name's Schwazy. I mean, <laughs> how, can you, how can your name be Schwazy and you not just live in an existence of coolness, right? I mean, seriously. Schwazy lived in our neighborhood, and he was just so, he, had, he was just cool. And I wanted to hang out with Schwazy. He was a couple years older than me, and he was willing to let me hang out with him. I wanted, he was just, he was the coolest guy ever. My dad, Adam? Don't be hanging out with Schwazy. Okay, Dad. I'm going to go down, hang out with some other friends, and straight to Schwazy's house I went. Because the guy was so cool. And about five times I can think, man, I should have ran from Schwazy's house. And about five times I got in some serious trouble at Schwazy's house. Stay away from Schwazy's house. Run from Schwazy's house. So I'm still learning way down the road in my life, sometimes we've got to flee from the things we need to flee from. Just get away. So we've got to flee from things. The second thing is we've got to follow the things that we need to follow in our life. In the second verse, in the second half of verse 11, after he says, flee from these things, he says, pursue things. Pursue things like righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. These are things you need to chase after. You need to follow them. You need to go after them with everything you got. See, I believe that all of us want to be good leaders. I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader at my house. I want to be a leader at my work. I want to be a leader around my friends. I would hope that I have a little bit of leadership potential just built inside of me. But I think that every good leader has got to be a great follower. And we've got to follow after the things that we need to follow after. And in this passage it says, if you want to be a godly person, you've got to follow and chase after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And I'm sure there's a lot of things out there that we need to follow after the Bible tells us in Galatians, there's a lot of things out there. For example, the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. Against such things there are no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We need to chase after and follow the fruits of the Spirit. I find myself, if I'm, if I'm lacking self-control in my life, 
I need to find someone with self-control. And spend some time with them. Hang out with them. Find out how do they, how do they just, how do they have so much self-control? It's like, oh, I just want to lose it sometimes. Am I, am I the only one? Somebody please help me say something. Okay, thank you. Just me and you, I guess that's it. Um, at least somebody said something. Um, you got to find it in college. There was this kid. A quick illustration. There was this kid in college. I, in high school, I, I started playing the bass guitar, and I wasn't, I wasn't really any good, and I didn't really care to be that good. I just wanted to be able to play on the music team and in, my, uh, in my church. And so my dad bought me a bass guitar because he needed someone to play on Sunday mornings. <laughs> My dad was a pastor, and he's like, well, I guess I got a couple kids. I can get them some instruments, and they can hopefully do something. So I went to college, and, and I, I had my guitar with me, and someone saw it, and they're like, hey, you play? And I was like, yeah, kind of, you know, dabble around a little bit. And he said, hey, we need, we need a bass guitar player in our, in our band. And I said, okay. And so I jumped in, and then we started traveling around. I started, it's like, wow, this is kind of cool. And, and I started making some money, and I was like, this is actually really cool. Like, I should probably learn how to actually play this thing. Like, other than the, you know, <laughs> you know, I, should, I had, like, tape on the, you know, it was, a, it, was, it was really bad. And so there was this guy at our college named Cedric. And I'm telling you guys, the guy could do things with a bass guitar that you didn't know were possible. And I'm not joking. Like, he could make pancakes and things. No, I'm joking. Um, but he could do things. Like, he would make this bass guitar make noises that you didn't. And it was just amazing. The guy was so good. And so I started hanging out with Cedric. And I would ask him, like, hey, man, what kind of music do you listen to? And he would name these bands. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like those guys, too. And I'd be writing them down. And he'd be like, oh, check out this. Oh, yeah, I used to have that one. I'd be like, yeah, I'd copy it. And I would just hear these things and be like, wow, that's amazing. And I'd watch the way when he'd play in chapel university we went to, we had a chapel, and he'd, he'd do things with his fingers, and I'd be like, wow, how does, how does he, wow, you know, it's just amazing, and the guy was so good, and I just spent time with him, and I saw in his, in, his, in his room that he had this magazine called Bass Player Magazine, so I bought a subscription of Bass Player Magazine, I started reading it, and, I would, and he would use these words that I didn't know, and I would, I would try, I'd go look up these words and find out what they meant, and and all this stuff, and I was just learning things and, and just spending time following Cedric's leadership. Without him ever sitting down in front of me with a guitar, I started becoming a better guitar player. Still horrible. But I am a little bit better than I was before I met Cedric. It's because I started following someone's leadership. So we flee from the things that we need to flee from. We follow the things that we need to follow. And the third thing that I found is that we fight for the things worth fighting for. In verse 12 of this passage, it says, fight the good fight of faith. Paul, in many of his books, uses the term fighting as an um, illustration for different things. And I think he, he means it in the, in the Greek boxing style. In fact, in, in Greek boxing in their day, in Paul's time, the concept was you, you would fight until death, and that was the winner was the only person that was alive at the end of the boxing match. So it was a pretty serious thing. 
and he would refer to fight the good fight of faith, and it's not the only time that he referred to that. Now, I don't like to fight. I don't like it at all. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's not something I, I go looking for. But however, I do like to win. I do like to win. But he says, fight the good fight of faith, even though fighting's not always fun. Now, I grew up fighting because if you're anything like me, you have an older brother or an older sister. Anybody else? Older sibling? See, I grew up getting beat up on, on a regular basis by my older brother. And, well, what's that say? I was, <laughs> I, this, this story always pops into my mind. One morning, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'll tell it really quick. One morning, I was getting up for school. And when I was going to school, I, I act like it was a long time ago, and in my mind it kind of was a long time ago. We used to take the blow dryer and blow dryer blow dry our hair like flock of seagulls style we're just like anybody else remember those days I I don't know I mean I had some awesome hair guys it was it was beautiful it's just like and my brother's was even more gorgeous it was like we had this big it was awesome and so my brother came into the bathroom we had one bathroom he's like hey let me use the blow dryer I was like no I'm beautifying my hair and he said I need the hair dryer and I said no back off and he's like hey I need the hair dryer and he hit me because that's just what he did and so I hit him back, and then he swung, and so I hit him with the hair dryer. And he just turned into this huge thing, and we're exchanging blows in the bathroom at like 7 o'clock in the morning. So my dad comes in, and what my dad wears to bed, which is a whole nother situation. And, and so my dad comes, he's like, what's going on in here? And he's just like, Eric's hit me, and we're like, and we're just like all mad and like maybe bleeding, I don't know. Um, and so my dad's like, and so my brother went to go like, do something or wipe his face, and my dad thought he was swinging at me, and so I was like, no, and like in the process of like trying to, he hits me, and I was like, ah, and I fall back, and, and my, my brother's laughing, and my dad's like, I'm sorry, and I'm like, dad hit me, and, and my mom comes in, what's going, and, it's just like, and I walked to school that day going like, what just happened at my house, like, that, that was so weird, you know, it's just, it's crazy, but fighting is something I'm used to, but I just don't like it, it's not fun. And I think that's why he uses the illustration because he was so used in his life to life being tough, to things never going right. I mean, if you, if you, if you read about the life of Paul, everything in his life was oftentimes tough. I mean, he was brought to the edge of death numerous times. And so he says, fight the good fight. In fact, in 2 Timothy 4, 6, he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure, but I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and the time has come, um, and I have kept the faith, and now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me. Every time, every time when, when, when life hits us in the face, we got to swing back. We have God on our side backing us up. We fight for what we believe in. Because life takes a swing at us and we, we stand strong because the enemy's trying to take us down. And it's just something I deal with. I feel like I deal with it all the time. And the enemy tries to just ruin life and we just, we just push back and we get back in his face. You know, and I kind of tell my kids sometimes, and me and my wife disagree on this, but I tell my kids like, Hey, you ask the kid once to leave you alone, you ask him twice to leave you alone, and the third time you just lose it on him. And Sarah's like, no, don't say that. 
you know. But it's just like you got to do that. Well, you just When life pushes, you push back. And you don't let the enemy push you. You fight back. And one day at the end of life, God's going to give you that crown of righteousness that Paul talks about right here. And the last thing is faithful. It says in the sight of God in verse 13 and 14 of this passage, in the sight of God who gives life to everything in Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this commandment without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys, we need to be faithful to what God has called us to. All of these things in our life, I need to be faithful to what God has called me to, no matter what life throws at me. I recently have talked to some friends of mine from college. And they just, they just, they, they don't even serve Christ anymore. And they used to be like, what we talked about, this is what we, we that's what we did, we went out and, and we did ministry together. And they're just like, eh. Because they, someone hurt their feelings once. Or they had a bad experience. Skip it. Jesus hated them. They're not even interested in him. But I believe that when God calls us, he calls us till the end. He calls us until he comes back, or he calls us until our, our life is over. I believe that has to do with everything in our lives. When we, when we, commit, when we commit to be a husband or a, or, a, or a wife, we commit forever to be a husband or a wife. We commit to be a dad, we're going to be a dad forever. We commit to be this or that, we... We give it 110% because we, we've made a commitment. We're faithful to the, to the, to the commitment that we made. We've got to be faithful to our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I just hope that one day that he'll say, hey, Adam, good job, man. Adam, boy. Well done. You did really, really good. I know it was tough, but like Paul, you fought the good fight and you ran the race, and now here's that crown of righteousness. 